The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. Welcome to The Shepherded Work, a weekly program to help you learn how to live your Christian faith in every place you work and live. Host Mark Goldstein introduces you to individuals who are successfully and effectively engaging in marketplace ministry and gives you the tools you need to do the same. The Shepherded Work is sponsored by the U.S. Christian Chamber of Commerce, building kingdom, business, and community. Now, here's your host, Mark Goldstein. And welcome to a fantastic edition of the Shepherd at Work. This is Mark Goldstein. And in the studio today, not only do I have the fantastic Mike Gillen, oh my goodness. but I have the awesome John Crossman Yay. in the studio. <laughs> Welcome, John. Hey, I'm just honored to be here. Now, John, how does it feel sitting here being the interviewee rather than in the interviewer? Well, it's super intimidating, except <laughs> I trust you completely. So it's fine. So Thank it's all you. good. Yeah. So if you're a listener to the to the Shepherd, you know that uh, John Crossman has a show at 105 on Saturdays called The Crossman Conversation. What you don't know, what you're learning right now, is that beginning next Saturday in this time slot. This very time. This time at 10.05, you're going to hear John's new show, The Crossman Conversation CEO Edition. And John, we're going to talk about that in the second segment. But for those who don't know John Crossman, um, you are all about Orlando. You're all about justice. You're all about doing the right thing. Uh, you're all about diversity and unity. And uh, but that came from the the roots that you came from. And and I guess uh, would you say that it all started with your father, Kenneth Reverend Kenneth Crossman? Um, absolutely. You know, it's, I, I do get asked sometimes about the why, like, why do you do, you know, all the things you do? And we all have our own story of where that comes from. And for me being a, being a preacher's kid and then also being a civil rights leader kid, that's, it's pretty impactful. Um, and to kind of unpack that a little bit, the first thing is, is that they've done studies on pastor's kids, lawyer's kids and doctor's kids and pastor's kids tend to outperform doctor's kids and lawyer's kids in life. Um, and I think the reason why that is, is that when you grow up in a pastor's household, you grow up in an educated household, right? Mm -hmm. So there's big words used and you know, your value in education and that's influential, right? The second thing is, is that, you know, we were really, uh, taught about being community involved and, and being out there and, and doing things in the community. If something was happening on the news in our household, we were participating in it. So that's a very hardwired thing. The subset that to do is I would say there's also an absence of fear. I don't know that my dad sought out to teach us to be brave. At the same time, there are certain things I think that I do or have done that other people might hesitate on that I don't hesitate on just because how I was raised. And sometimes it's just like, you know, talking to somebody, you know, Mike you know, was asking me, Hey John, do you know so-and-so? It's like, yes, I do. Well, how do I know that person? Well, I just walked up and introduced myself. Mm -hmm. I remember in my early, my marriage, I wanted to ask the pastor a question and my wife was like, you can't talk to the pastor. And I was like, well, of course you can go talk to the pastor. You're like, I lived with a pastor kind of thing. And then I think the the third thing though, is that when you grow up being a pastor's kid, you, you don't have as much resources as the doctors and lawyers kids do. And you kind of grow up in this world where you're involved with influence with minus affluence. Mm -hmm. And so on a human level, that was hard, right? There was limited resources in our household. I can remember, my friends complaining about the types of cars their parents bought them. And of course my, my parents never bought me a car that wasn't an option for them. And so on a human level that encouraged me 
to go out there and work hard. I always tell people that's when I became a devout capitalist because I want to go out there and, and earn and be able to do things. On the other side, having more affluence really can help with influence. You know, I saw my dad do a lot of things to help make changes and help people on a, on a tight budget. So I'm like, man, if I have a bigger budget, I, I can do more. And so that's how that all comes that's together. That's not always true, though, right? I mean, well, so, sometimes I, you have to have the character right. to tie all of that together. Well, I think th- I think that also goes back to uh, not having as much fear and having more faith. You know, some people have said that people who make their money as opposed to inheriting their money sometimes can be more generous because they know how to make money. Like if somebody inherits it, if they lose it, they don't know how to make it. And so in my right. in my brain, like if I lost everything, well, I could just go get a job. Like I could just go get a job. If I needed a job, man, Mike, if you ever need me to come mop the floors, I can mop. I can tell you something, yeah. you know, so it's <laughs> helpful. And that's amazing, John. You are an uber successful businessman, but we met, oh, probably 20 years ago. Yeah, something like that. And uh, I know you were very involved with uh, Purpose Orlando, mm-hmm. bringing uh, Rick Warren uh, to town. You were very involved with, bringing a Christian film festival uh, here. And for many years, uh, you were very involved with uh, the leadership breakfast, and you brought in a lot of big speakers. There was a lot of folks saved at at these events. And now you are a Caucasian Republican that is a champion for historically black uh, colleges and universities. You've written a book. You work with college students to help them with the what's next uh, after college. Um, I guess the big question is why, why do you do all of this? Well, the why, well, you know, I I will tell you, honestly, uh, there are moments of um, pain with all of that. You know, like sometimes I've had moments where I wish I could clip my heart and not care because there's a lot of pain in doing that. And anybody who's involved in, whether it's pastoral or any kind of serving and giving, you know, you can have real moments of, you know, doubt, but bigger than that, I think is moments of pain and all that. Um, you were asking me um, the why though. And the why is it's, it's completely driven by my faith. I mean, first and foremost, it's like, you know, I really believe in what scriptures say about loving our neighbors and, and loving people in our communities and helping people. So that's the first part. Then the second part goes into gifting, right? Like, you know, if I, I, I'm dyslexic. I could never be a medical doctor, but if I wasn't dyslexic and I was a medical doctor, you know, maybe I'd be more talking about cancer research or and things like that. Um, but I am who I am. And so, you know, I, I have this unique background with historically black colleges. Uh, I have a heart for it. I have a skill set for it. And then there's some other areas that I, I try to be very vulnerable and, you know, I've suffered from clinical depression. And so I feel comfortable sharing about that. So um, and then I've, I've always done a lot of work with college students. I'm passionate about college students and I, um, I feel really comfortable in that space. So I, I've really tried to, it's the why is like, it's the core to my faith. And then the second part is trying to stay in areas that I really feel like I can make the most impact, you know? And, you know, my dad was a bridge builder and I, I really tried to be a bridge builder. I, years ago, I did a lot of work with prison ministry, which I still am very passionate about. And a key thing that was the people that are receiving the ministry are not the people that can fund the ministry, right? So that's challenging. I was talking to some of the folks of the Boys and Girls Club, same thing, that the people that receive it can't fund it. And so you've got to connect people. Uh, historically, black colleges is kind of the same thing. It, it's 
it's serving the black community and needs resources from outside the black community. And so I feel like I'm in a unique position of my platform be to connect them. And then, you know, uh, with all that, Mark, I just want to say this too, is like, uh, there's a lot of risk taking, man. There's a lot of risk taking. We, we live in a society that tends to be very polarized. Mm-hmm. And while I, I mean, when I tell you I'm super conservative, like I'm like really that guy, <laughs> really, really conservative. At the same time, I believe in kindness. Do you know why I believe in kindness? Tell me. Because the Bible tells us that, sure. you know, like yeah. God is kind to me, therefore I'm kind to others. And I'm not just kind to people that are nice to me. I'm kind to people that have differences of opinions than me. And so it's like, you know, once a year I'll put out a picture of myself and Michelle Obama. Um, and by the way, when I met her, one of the most impressive people I've ever met. Politically, do we agree on anything? I don't know. Probably not. But she was kind to me and I'm kind to her and I want to encourage that. When you have a conversation with somebody who is diametrically opposed in every way to, to your belief system, wh- how do you engage in that dialogue? What are some of the questions that you ask them to begin that bridge building? Well, let me, let me answer the opposite first. Okay. The, the people that I can't really get together with, I typically find is that they're so hurt, their wounding keeps them from being able to have any kind of conversation. And I, and I can, and I see that with extreme right and extreme left, you know, I get long better closer with right because I, I, my, my beliefs, my values are that way, but I can work with people on extreme either side. If they, if we can find a place of commonality and connectivity, but sometimes I've had to learn that some people are so hurt. Oh my gosh. If you, you know, it's like, I, I have people who hate me because I don't hate the things they hate so much enough. Mm-hmm. Right. That's where they're coming from. But you know, if you, if you're meeting with somebody that's a Christian and you're like, Hey, um, let's talk about what's a common ground thing. And so look, I have friends that are Christians and absolutely other Christians and they're Democrats and that's, and they, they believe in, you know, higher taxes and more, you know, social services things. Right. I can look at that and say, Hey, I know where they're coming from and I appreciate their heart. You know, I disagree with them at issue. It's not what I disagree with them with as a human. Right. And we can disagree on policy and we don't have to disagree about caring about one another, mm. right? Those are two separate issues, right? So it's like, it's like when I do the suicide uh, awareness walk and suicide prevention walk, one of my roles there is just to hug people, mm. you know? And when you meet somebody that's lost a child to, to, to suicide, man, what they need right that in the moment is a hug, right? And all the other stuff is kind of not that important. And that's not to say that policy is not important, right? I do believe policy is important. It's just that I'm trying to find the humanity, the commonality, and that's leading through vulnerability really helps with that. Well, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about your shows, the Crossman Conversation, and then the new one, the CEO edition. We have about 35 seconds. We got to pay tribute to your dad <laughs> with the bridge. So tell the, can you tell the story uh, yeah, real, real quickly? Real quick, in 1970, the Sun Sentinel in South Florida referred to my dad as a bridge builder for his work in the civil rights movement. And then in 2016, 2017, uh, then Governor Rick Scott, with the support of both Democrats and Republicans, named a bridge in connecting Maitland and Winter Park and Eatonville, very symbolic, uh, after my dad. And, and so in its time where they were, talk, our country was talking about building walls and tearing down monuments, uh, a bridge was named after a, a Christian pastor. And that was, that's pretty cool. And it was very cool to be at that dedication. It was wonderful. People from all across right. the board came to pay honor to that. We're with John Crossman. You're listening to The Shepherd at Work, and we'll be back in just a minute. 
If you're a Christian business person and you want to meet people who want to do business with you, you need to join the Central Florida Christian Chamber of Commerce. Why? Because the mission of the Christian Chamber is to build kingdom, business, and community. And it all starts with the Christian principle of building relationships. To learn more about the Christian Chamber and all the different ways you can get engaged with hundreds of other Central Florida Christian business people, visit cfchristianchamber.com or call 407-258-3578. Ladies, do you want the men in your lives to be better husbands, fathers, and providers? Men, do you want all that and more? Christ-Led Communities has the answer. With men's Bible studies and group experiences, Christ-Led Communities has a curriculum that meets most every man's spiritual needs. Visit clchq.org to learn about your opportunities to grow in Christ in a Christ-Led community. The website again is clchq.org or 407-484-3899. Hey, this is Mike Gilland, Operations Manager at the Shepherd Radio Network, with a special invitation for you to join me daily, Monday through Friday, for my show, Afternoons with Mike. Our show is aired at 3.05 p.m. and replayed twice, first the same night at 9.05 p.m., then the next morning at 10.05 a.m. It's my privilege to have a wide variety of guests on my show, ranging from senators to pastors, celebrities to singers and businessmen and women. The common thread to each episode is our goal to look at life through the lens of a biblical worldview. You can listen on air to any of the three Shepherd stations in Florida. Plus, you can listen online at our homepage, theshepherdradio.com. Listen on demand to our podcast, available on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. All you have to do is use the search phrase, Afternoons with Mike. Once again, here's Mark Goldstein. So we're back uh, for the second half of the show. John Crossman in the studio. John, we talked about the fact that beginning next week at this same time slot, we're going to have the Crossman Conversation CEO edition. So for those who may not be familiar with the the programs, tell us what the Crossman Conversation is Mm -hmm. that airs at 105 and how the Crossman Conversation is going to be similar or CEO edition is going to be similar or different. Gotcha. Um, so they're going to be they're going to be different. Uh, so the first off, the Crossman conversation is about bringing people together to, to talk about really hard topics uh, in a healthy conversation. There's no gotcha gotcha questions, right? I don't I don't play that game. Uh, there's no name calling or anything like that. It's bringing people together and having really hard conversations and trying to come up with solutions and proactive things we can do. And I can't tell you how many times Mike and I have had a guest and. Maybe our maybe our guest has a different political belief, mm-hmm. or maybe they have different alter affiliations. But they have shared wisdom with us. Mike and I have walked away like, "Wow, we gained a perspective." And so that's what we're trying to do with that. And and those always kind of circle back to race, uh, mental health, addiction, suicide, and we'll talk about other things, adoption, things like that. We're going to do a show coming up about hospice, end of life issues. Oh so, wow! Yeah. So I mean, we're trying to do things that are that are hard. And, and I, again, I try to speak as most of the time from a place of vulnerability and, and being helpful. And so that's the space of that show. The CEO edition is basically, it's the step into the other life that I have, which is the business life, which you, which you mentioned. And so the goal there is to have business leaders on. Um, we're not going to have kind of the funny stuff. You know, Mike and I, because the, the, the intensity of the first show can be very real. You know, I open up with being a little bit silly. And then we get to real stuff. And then I usually try to like lighten it a little bit, mm-hmm. right? 
Um, so that's that format. The format of this show is going to hit, go right into it really hard. And we're going to be talking to CEOs, business leaders, real estate people, people talking about the economy that's focused and doing work in central Florida. Right. So yep. that's it. So it's a very, it's a different format and it's, and it's really just, it's one is the, the sort of the social justice serving people part of my life. The other part is the business part of my and life. And I think just to elaborate on that, it's not replacing right. your other show. It's uh, right. an additional show. It's an additional out. show. And so the, the format is similar in the sense that's conversation. Uh, and I'll add in some of my insights and things. Um, my first guest is going to be uh, Craig Usler, who is somebody I've admired my entire real estate career. I, I don't think there's anybody that knows downtown Orlando better than him, but he's also been a guy that's guest lectured at NYU. So if somebody's saying, hey, I'm doing downtown development in San Antonio or San Diego or Detroit, they could listen to that episode and that would be insightful. The second guest we're going to have is the chairman of ICSC, which is one of the largest real estate trade organizations in the world. And he's also former CEO of Cushman Wakefield and, and V-Read, things like that. So this is a guy that's done, you know, he's very familiar with Central Florida because he's invested here and had employees here. So it's it's that kind of format. So so different, you know, on one level, um, but really trying to hit on key business topics I think people find interesting. And you're going to be talking to business leaders, CEOs in every industry. Yeah, and as long as it's kind of comes back to that core of connect, what's connection to right. Central Florida. What I would hope is that if somebody's in business, um, they would want to hear that show to get, gain some insight. Like, you know, it's like, if you're doing whatever business, if you're in construction, you know, to hear somebody from outside of, you know, Florida talk about Florida, that's helpful, right? Get that perspective. And so we will hit on some national topics as well. And again, I'll always have the little bit of like, if you're listening to this and you live in Cincinnati, there's something you can take away from it for your local market. So what are CEOs? Some of the common problems they're dealing with now. And if somebody isn't a CEO, and wants to listen in, what are some of the things that they're going to learn about that their CEOs are dealing with? Well, I think the first thing I would tell you is that CEOs work a crazy amount of hours. Like they work 60 to 80 hours a week, every single week. I mean, one of the jokes I've, I've told, you know, students sometimes is that early in my career on Thanksgiving day and on Christmas day, I would sort of do a thing where I'd email some key people and just say, thank you or, or whatever. And I always found that um, if they were sort of mid-level, lower level, you wouldn't hear back from until after the holidays. But all CEOs would return my emails on Thanksgiving morning and Christmas morning. Every time I did. Mm -hmm. And it was really impactful to me. Like, gosh, these people are just, they're working. And most people don't understand that. Like some people look at CEO compensation or lifestyle and they think, oh my gosh, it's so great. They don't understand like the level of intensity, intensity it takes to do that job. Yeah. And then to me, like, so they go deeper on it. It's like, I want to hear about their perspective on things and so that it can help us understand more about where the economy's going, what's, what's coming up next. I, in my own business, I'll give you an example. I'm always looking at tenants and asking the question, are we having any consistent patterns of slow pay or no pay, right? So if you had one area of, of tenant category, a certain restaurant or a certain retailer, and all of them were paying late, or not paying at all, that give you, gives you a window of like what's happening coming forward. Mm -hmm. So I like to have that kind of intel. I'll also, just so you hear this too, I'm going to add on the back end of each show just sort of my thoughts, and I'm also going to use that from my own Christian perspective. Again, are all my guests going to be in the same belief politically or religiously as, as me? No. I'm going to add just, just my perspective of how I view on those things. So there's that little dynamic to it as well. So, John, one thing that I, f I find that uh, in hearing this talk, I'm just amazed sitting here listening to Mark's questions to you. And I know that you're one of well, Central Florida. I mean, you've been declared, man, one of the top CEOs by the Orlando Sentinel. 
And that's not a small recognition right there. So that's, I know you would never say that, but I can say that. Thank you. And uh, you're one of these guys that I admire. But in addition to like what Mark said, you are uber successful in a business sense. What I love most about you is that you, unlike a lot of CEOs, have been able to kind of do both things well. And that is have a family that is supportive and you support them and that you're there for them while becoming uh, very successful in the business world. And I would think that the CEOs that you're going to have on the show, whether they realize it or not, they need to be following that aspect of your model in their own lives because very few that I've heard of are as successful as have been you. Well, it's, uh, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, it, look, it's hard, right? It's just like so many things else in life. And like, you know, if you want to be a big time CEO and make big time money, there is a sacrifice. I actually had dinner one time with Martin Luther King III, and we were talking about having high profile parents and the sacrifice the families have to make. Now, his situation was much more significant than mine, but there's a continuum there that I that I get that. The mm-hmm. same can be true in CEO and business leaders. And I, what I would tell other CEOs is, just like you have to be intentional to grow your business, you got to be intentional about your family. Can I give you an example real quick? Yeah, so that's right. we're looking. Here, here comes a story. Yeah, here comes the story. So <laughs> we uh, we're facing in the fall. My wife and I being empty nesters, you know, and that's a weird thing. You're like twenty years of your life, you're all yeah. about these kids, and then boom, it's just the two of us. And so I started a thing uh, recently where um, most every night we're playing cards together after dinner. And the reason why I'm doing that is to have a meal and then slow down and then just have she and I talk. And of course, when we're playing cards, we're talking about life and things like that. I'm confessing to you, it's hard for me to not eat dinner and then immediately want to go back to work. Like that's how my brain is because work is natural to me. Relaxing is not. It's not easy for me to relax. Mm -hmm. And so I'm doing that to help my wife's and my dynamic because we're going to have more time and I want to make sure I'm filling that time in with more time with her and not more work. So, you know, look, man, it's not like, it's not like I got it all figured out and I'm doing great. It's more like, man, I'm super screwed up and I work, <laughs> work on getting healthier. And there's things that I do to try to try to get into that space. That's and great. I do, I will tell you that I think we're going to have some CEOs who are doing a great job with, with that aspect. We'll talk about that. And we have some CEOs that probably have not done a great job about that. And maybe we'll get them to talk about that as well. So with the Crossman Conversation and Crossman Conversation CEO edition, what are some of the challenges that are in Central Florida that you believe can be solved by the conversations that you have? What are some of the specific problems okay. that you see? Yeah, yeah. So it's a great question. And I can think of two right away. First off, it's just connecting resources, right? I think there are people out there who have money and can make impact and they don't always, they're so busy. They're not always aware of where to, where to put those funds to make the greatest impact. And then they get divided because of political issues and not knowing, I mean, again, example, boys and girls club, Hey, that's a good ROI. You can invest there and help the community. So when we're making that connections key, the second one that really jumps out to me is, is growth. You know, growth is awesome. It's like what drives our community. I think a lot of times, whether you're a pastor or a business person, you're like, man, I'm doing such a good job getting all these new people in here. Well, part of it is people are moving here, right? So that mm-hmm. is part of it. Um, and yet growth has negative to it as well. And so the answer is not to stop it with like a faucet, like crank it off. The, it's really when I get to communicate about it better. And I give an example. It's like, man, we need more affordable housing. I don't know how we're going to do that unless we, we don't get public and private sector mm-hmm. working very closely together. If we get them working closer together, we can provide that and provide more and more people with mm-hmm. the housing they need. 
it's just going to take more communication. And, you know, we have to have more places where there's, there's trust. Honestly, I got asked to be on an interview show the other day and I said, no. And then I was telling Mike about this. I went and was watching some of the guys, other shows and they were all gotcha questions, man. They were all like coming at you. And that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to have a healthy space of exchange. Well, John, we are really looking forward to the new show. And uh, it it just kind of reminds me, it's old school. Back in the day, Tip O'Neill and Trent Lott could argue on the, on the, the, in Congress, but then go out and have dinner together. You're bringing civility to conversation where people aren't talking. Good sense. That's a good point. They're they're not labeling, but they're looking at issues with wisdom and understanding. So yeah. I want to thank you so much for that. Thank you. And I, and I hope within all that love as well. So, so folks remember next week, uh, this show, uh, the, we'll be moving to four Oh five, four Oh five PM in the afternoon. And at ten Oh five will be the Crossman conversation CEO edition. And then followed at one Oh five by the Crossman conversation. John it's been a pleasure having you in here and looking forward to the new show. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure to be with these two professionals. Thank you. (laughs) And we'll see you next week at 405 for The Shepherd at Work. You've been listening to The Shepherd at Work. Tune in next week as Mark will introduce you to another marketplace leader who will show you how to live your Christian faith in every place you work and live. The Shepherd at Work, sponsored by the U.S. Christian Chamber of Commerce, building kingdom, business, and community. The preceding was a Mark Radio production.